Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Another week is underway here in Texas agriculture, and we're back together for another edition of Texas Ag Today. While the situation at the border is not good, and Texas farmers and ranchers are suffering because of it. A bill was introduced by a group of Texas congressmen on Friday to reimburse Texas farmers and ranchers for the damages that they've experienced because of all of the illegal immigration. We'll have more on that bill coming up later in today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Cattle theft is still going on in Texas. But right now it seems when thieves go out to ranches, they're particularly interested in guns. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. What to consider about oil and gas mineral rights when purchasing rural land. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Several Texas lawmakers joined together Friday to introduce a bill in Congress which would provide reimbursement to farmers and ranchers who have incurred damages to their property because of the border crisis. The bill instructs the Secretary of Agriculture to establish the Emergency Land and Food Program in no less than 60 days to cover the cost of damages to farmers and ranchers due to illegal immigration. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud sits on the House Agriculture Committee. He says Texas farmers and ranchers should not have to bear the cost of our failed border policies. You know, the great expense that's being taken to have to deal with this crisis by our communities in Texas, by our state, it's a federal responsibility that uh, that our people are having to pay an outsized responsibility for uh, and certainly deserve reimbursement. Under the bill, qualified damages would include livestock loss and damage, crop loss and damage, damage to perimeter fences, damage to physical structures, and property loss and damage. Texas is the largest sheep and goat producing state in the nation, so it makes sense that the largest sheep and goat expo is held here. Jessica Domel has more. Registration is now underway for the nation's largest sheep and goat expo. The Texas Sheep and Goat Expo, hosted by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, will be held August 20th and 21st at the First Community Credit Union Spur Arena in San Angelo. Robert Pritz, event coordinator, says this year's expo will highlight a deeper understanding of current consumer needs and opportunities available for producers to meet those needs through traditional and non-traditional marketing channels. There will be sessions on avoiding legal issues, predator management, management practices that improve lambing rate and survival, hair sheep, and angora and meat goats. Register by searching Texas Sheep and Goat Expo on agriliferegister.tamu.edu. That is agriliferegister.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The first case of African swine fever on the North American continent in four decades has been confirmed in the Dominican Republic. 
USDA Chief Veterinarian Jack Shear says safeguards are in place to keep the disease from entering the U.S. We don't accept any pork or pork products from either the Dominican Republic or Haiti as it is now because they have classical swine fever. We also have been in contact with the Department of Homeland Security and the Customs and Border Patrol people to increase our surveillance and our mitigations and work with boats and air traffic that come from the Caribbean, especially the Dominican Republic. Chair says the U.S. is ready to assist the Dominican Republic if needed as that country deals with the spread of African swine fever. Cattle theft has been around as long as there have been cattle, but today's thieves seem to have another interest. James Hunt tells us what that interest is. In helping protect the property of ranchers all around the state, the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's Special Rangers work a variety of crimes. Everything from stolen livestock to the theft of tractors, trailers, and even saddles. But one particular item really seems to have thieves' attention right now. We have seen a rise in the theft of firearms out of ranch vehicles and ranch homes and particularly hunting camps. That's Scott Williamson, the executive director of law enforcement, brand, and inspection services for Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. Williamson says while thieves might simply take stolen guns to pawn shops, more and more these days they are traded on the street for narcotics. In terms of preventing theft, the standard advice applies, such as keeping doors and gates locked. But if you become the victim of theft, here's some tips from Williamson on what will help investigators get your firearms back. Many people may not want to inscribe their driver's license into their weapon, putting it in a stock or a grip is helpful, but those serial numbers, if you can have pictures of your firearm so that you ensure knowing the make and model and the serial number of those, if that weapon is stolen out of your property and we or any other law enforcement agency issue a report on that, to put it out into the NCIC-TCIC crime watch base, we must have that information. To report ranch-related crimes, contact your local special ranger. You can find their number on the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association website at tscra.org. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas rural land market is red hot right now, but there are several things that potential buyers should be aware of before they sign a purchase agreement, like mineral rights. Tom Nicoletti has more. We go to the College Station area and catch up with Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP, his partner broker. Today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some areas that people need to be aware of to avoid any uh, pitfalls and uh, future uh, issues um, after they've bought the land and uh, if they don't take care of these uh, areas. And uh, Tyler, let's uh, talk about those areas. Let's talk about oil and gas minerals and what people need to know about those prior to purchasing land. Absolutely, Tom. You know, the plain truth about oil and gas minerals is being able to buy minerals is the exception rather than the rule now. So assuming that you're going to buy a property that has little or no uh, available mineral interest to it. Buyers just need to be aware the oil and gas estate of the land is the dominant estate, meaning that your mineral owners will and do have access to their minerals unless other arrangements are made. So I always advise buyers it's it's very worthwhile to spend five hundred or a thousand dollars with a knowledgeable oil and gas landman 
to make sure that you entirely understand what only the the mineral ownership is, but also what lease obligations may be tied to that land. So that if there is any further development of the oil and gas activity, that you know what your surface damages are going to be and exactly how the mineral ownership is structured. And that will keep you from making plans that can't come true or making investments that are ultimately damaged by the oil and gas development. That is Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall from College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Temperatures in deep south Texas are back to normal and wet fields are drying out. Jim Hearn reports from the Rio Grande Valley. Well, temperatures are at seasonal normals. We're back in the mid-90s. We've had a lot of wind, which is helping us dry things out. Now, the reharvest of the sorghum and corn has once again started. All the harvesting activity was shut down because of the heavy rains that we had. Combines can now get back in the field. Cotton is looking very good. A lot of cotton blooming out the top. We're looking for a really, really good crop if we don't get any monsoon rains coming soon. This is Jim Hearn reporting from the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Ag Today. A recent meeting between the American Farm Bureau Federation and officials from Mexico included talks about trade and a variety of other topics. Chad Smith has more from Washington. American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duval met with Tatiana Cloutier, Mexico's Secretary of the Economy, and Esteban Montezuma Barragan, Mexican Ambassador to the U.S. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau, says ag trade was a big topic of conversation. Annually, we're over $40 billion of two-way trade. Mexico is the third largest export market for U.S farmers and ranchers, large import market, of course. And of course, this is the first anniversary just a few weeks ago of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, tariff-free trade in agriculture between the U.S. and Mexico. We reviewed that and how important USMCA will be to the future of our trade relationship. Salmonson says one of the key reasons AFBF wanted to meet with a delegation was to discuss challenges with trade between the U.S. and Mexico. One of which is a decree that was put out by them last December on glyphosate. They want to phase out the use of that, restrict it in Mexico. And we're very concerned about that, given what a large market for U.S. corn Mexico is. We also got to the issue of biotechnology product approvals. Mexico has been very slow, non-existent really lately. And we certainly made the point that we need to continue a science-based approach when we're dealing with technology. They also discussed issues between seasonal produce growers. Well, it's an issue on both sides of the border. We have many of our growers, different parts of the country have a real concern that product comes in in overwhelming amounts and really hurts prices, hurts their domestic marketing with the short marketing window they have for various products. We're talking about blueberries and strawberries and squash and cucumbers and peppers and other products. Mexican side also has issues. Of course, they want to see marketing opportunities here in the U.S. The two sides also discussed safety issues for agricultural producers at the southern U.S. border as a large influx of migrants continues flowing into the United States. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. Just a few minutes of your time and a $3 or $10 fee could land you the hunt of a lifetime. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and performance horses need extra energy to do their jobs. But we shouldn't forget about the importance of forage. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, if you have a performance horse, you know that it's important that they get the extra energy they need to do their jobs. But we shouldn't forget about the forage component of the diet. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Sometimes I think owners of performance horses tend to focus on the concentrate feeds in a ration and not worry about the hay and pasture as much as they should. Grazing on the pasture has multiple benefits to horses, including a decreased chance of colic and stomach ulcers, decreased behavioral issues, increased exercise, and socialization. Most well-managed pastures can nutritionally support horses with energy requirements up to the level of moderate exercise. However, the quality of pastures vary greatly, and this has to be considered when depending on pasture for nutrition. It is recommended to have your pasture grass analyzed to determine its nutritional value, as this plays a role in the amount of concentrates you need to feed, if any. As far as hay, analysis is critical for the same reason. Parameters to examine in the hay include moisture, crude protein, acid detergent fiber, neutral detergent fiber, digestible energy, and relative feed value. Without these numbers, you have no idea if and how much concentrate you need to feed. Dr. Kerry Williams from the University of Minnesota indicated that you can determine a lot from just looking at and feeling of the hay. Maturity of the hay has an effect on nutrition as more mature hay tends to be higher in structural fiber components and lower in digestible energy. Signs of more mature hay are larger and longer stems and more seed heads. Hay should feel soft to the touch and the color should be rich and green, but color is not extremely important. The hay should also smell clean and free of mold and dust, as horses are highly sensitive to both of these contaminants. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Just a few minutes of your time and a few dollars could land you the hunt of a lifetime. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. There are still plenty of opportunities to win unique hunting experiences across Texas through the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's annual Drawn Hunts program. This season, there will be drawings in 61 hunt categories. There will be drawings for U.S. Forest Service antlerless deer permits, adult and youth hunts, and 18 e-postcard selections. Kelly Edmiston, TPWD's Public Hunting Coordinator, says the e-postcard selections are for hunters with the annual public hunting permit. 
these permits go on sale when license is due on August 15th. They allow you access to some of our larger wildlife management areas and leased land. Our popular dove lease program is part of this, where people can, in addition to their hunting license and stamps and this annual public hunting permit, which costs $48, they can access some of this land where they can just come and go at times if the area is open. There are some additional opportunity for those people who buy that seasonal permit, and they're called e-postcard selection hunts. A lot of these are for waterfowl. Some of these are for deer. And what this does is it still allows the area to have that come and go kind of thing, but they limit the numbers of those hunters out there at any one particular time. Those hunts, because they are associated with a $48 annual public hunting permit, are free to apply for. However, you cannot apply for them unless you have a current annual public hunting permit. So those are going to be a future hunt that somebody's going to be able to apply for after August 15th because you do need to have that annual public hunting permit first. You can apply for other drawn hunts now. Application fees are either $3 or $10 depending on the hunt category. A full list of drawn hunt categories is available on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. So how did the agricultural markets fare on Monday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. There was some cautious optimism in the cattle markets Monday as we start off this new month. October live cattle up seven cents to 127.27. December live cattle up a dime to 132.75. September feeder cattle up 17 cents to 161.97. October feeder cattle up 42 cents to 164.57. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Seth Crane and his dad, Butter Crane, have Union Commission Company Hondo. They sell them every Monday. Seth, how was that sale a Monday a week ago? I had a good run, Larry. I still ended up with uh, 260 some odd head. A few bucks back to the cows, 46 up to 78 cents. Top cows anywhere from that 72 up to that 75.6. Took a really good cow to get up there at 78. Packer bulls, 65 to 98. On our pairs, 950 to 1200. And on the few bred cows from 700 up to 1120. Uh, good to see two to three weight steers, $1.60 to 190. Two to three weight heifers, 140 to 168. Three to four weight steers, $1.60 to 188. Three to four weight heifers, 142 to 159. Four to five weight steers, $1.55 to 182. Four to five weight heifers, $1.35 to 158. Five to six weight steers, $1.45 to 162. Five to six weight heifers, 130 to 152. Your six to seven weight steers and bull calves, 120 to 153. Six to seven weight heifers, 122 to 142. Seven to eight weight steers and bull yearlings, $1.15 to 137. And your seven to eight 
weighed heifers, a dollar five up to one twenty seven. Did did have a few big steers there today, weighing up upwards around nine, kind of bring anywhere from that dollar fifteen up to one twenty one or two. So, uh, like I say, uh, pretty pretty proud of the market. Sure is good for everybody. Well, our next sale is next week, and would like to remind everybody about that special stocker feeder sale we have coming up August the ninth. Sure shaping up to be pretty good. In the meantime, uh, you can reach us right there at the office eight three zero seven four one eight zero six one. Get me on my cell phone two one zero two eight eight thirty nine sixty. And for any updates and information, uh, visit Hondo Livestock on Facebook or there on the website. Seth, we'll visit with you before the next sale. You bet. Neighbor, thanks for listening to Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Block cheese was steady Monday with no loads traded. Barrel cheese was down eight cents to a dollar thirty-one Monday. That's the lowest since May of 2020. August class three milk was down eleven cents Monday to sixteen eighteen a hundred weight. Cotton started this new month higher but remained below the recent ninety-one cent high. October cotton up twenty-four points to ninety oh seven. December cotton up twenty-four points to eighty-nine sixty-three. Corn rallied on Monday on the prospect for additional dry weather in the Midwest and the Northern Plains and reports that about 60% of the Corn Belt received no rain over the last month. September corn up 11 and 3 quarters to 558 and 3 quarters. December corn up 14 to 559 and a quarter. Wheat closed higher Monday on expectations of smaller harvests in other nations. September hard red wheat up 30 and a quarter to 703 and a half. December hard red wheat up 30 and a half to 714 and three quarters. September natural gas up 5 cents to 396. October natural gas up 4 cents to 396. September crude oil down $2.67 Monday to 71.28. October crude oil down $2.60 to 70.63 a barrel. According to Market Watch, that was due to heavy pressure after disappointing data on activity in China and the United States worries about the spread of the Delta variant in the United States. Now let's check the financial markets. The Dow down 13 points to 34,922. The S&P 500 up 2 points to 4,397. And the Nasdaq up 47 points to 14,719. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. We hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.